time is one thing, but if they keep messing with tradition, then even nostalgia won't be powerful enough. Welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's number 76 for Monday, July 13th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I've got some bourbon in my coffee cup and I don't have a case of the Mondays. What about you? Uh, from America's left coast, where apparently Mondays are now a thing. I'm Ryan Bemrose. They've always been a thing. I mean, <laughs> I disapprove. you can check your calendars. Mondays have always been there. Mondays make me grumpy. Everything makes you grumpy. Yeah, well, they're so they're a thing, aren't they? I guess they certainly are. But this is, you're right. We've been calling these bonus shows for a very simple reason, even though we've done, I think, three or four Mondays in a row now. And that's basically to give ourselves an out. You know, you want that little off ramp there in case it's not going to be a regular Monday thing. In case we we don't have good communication and nobody says we're doing a show on Monday. And so one of the hosts decides to get really crazy drunk the night before and sleep in in the morning with a hangover. I mean, hypothetically, that that might happen. The same host that at the end of the last show said he wanted to do the Monday show. No, I did not say that. I I would not say something like that. that. That sounds like work and effort. And you know how I feel about that. No, what I said at the last of the show was that I had done. A bunch of research and taken a whole bunch of notes and we didn't use hardly any of them because we don't because we we bloviate we bullshit we just talk about nothing we have fun <laughs> with our guest host who is clearly much more talented than you or i uh and the result is we didn't get to hardly any of the stories which is true the lovely and talented carolyn blaney joined us last friday for grumpy old ben's And a lot of the stuff we wanted to talk about just got pushed. I had plenty of notes as well. But moving forward, I'm thinking the Mondays will become a regular thing. So we'll have to start calling them regular shows. Because I'd I'd like to to go, uh, uh, let's start a change.org petition to just have Sunday go right into Tuesday. That would save everybody a lot of stress, I think. Miss out on a lot of good content. But Comic Strip Blogger, our buddy, was... Quite clear over on No Agenda Social, which is no podcast needs to be more than once a week. It's too much. And uh, I I don't know. know, I think I I might even be inclined to agree with him. But he follows No Agenda, which is (laughs) twice a week and way longer than our shows. So only because they've been increasing their their length. Well, at the same time, we have. Yeah, the, the, the shows have been getting longer. I mean, of course, there's a lot of it is because of the donation segments, which we don't quite have that same problem yet. I mean, we'd like to have that problem. Yeah, that 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 would that problem would really suck to have, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, when people send too much money, it really gets annoying because it takes a lot of time to talk about the money that's coming in. That's too much. I mean, God forbid we ever have to do a seven hour show. (laughs) That was pretty. That was pretty epic. Was it? That was number one thousand, wasn't it? Uh, No, it was uh, nine seventy six. It was uh, the 10 year. Oh, that's right. That's right. So we've only we've only got 900 episodes to go until we hit that point. Yeah. So it's good to have goals. Just so anyways, 900 more. What the hell's going on out in the world today that I should have got up this morning? Nothing. I'm feeling a little chip yet. 
It is the same crap day after day. Nothing really changes except the mainstream media, which was one of the only things I really had that I wanted to vent about a little bit, which was our buddy truck driver over in No Agenda Social pointed us to a Reuters article, which I went and took a look at it and then posted a question to Reuters on Twitter. Of course, they never answered because leftist scumbags. But somebody else, Sir Tim, I think it was, replied that this has been going on with the AP now for a few weeks as well, which is when they use the word black in a story, they're now capitalizing it for no apparent reason. And I would like to know the reason why you're all of a sudden capitalizing black. And it was very noticeable in the Reuters article because they were talking about black and white protesters. And when they would put black, it was capitalized. White was not. And I want to know how this makes things better. Well, it it obviously, uh, if you can make white people feel more shame about themselves, um, that that I guess, I don't know, step two, uh, step three profit. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe Uh, that is what it is. But it's like, okay, so the concept of equality and remember that was a uh, terry cruz took a whole bunch of crap from the leftists for saying we can't be caught up in this so much that hashtag black lives matter turns into black lives better than well, you can be certain that that it's pandering to somebody the only real question is is whom it, it could be financial pandering to whomever is giving them money uh it could be political pandering to whichever elites are pulling their strings Or, uh, you know, in the case of places like the New York Times that have been completely taken over by rabid idiots, it could be pandering to their own employees who insist that they completely violate every standard of ethical journalism just because the the people who, you know, want to wear Black Lives Matter head scarves or something are, are running the newsroom now. Yeah, and I get it. If you're talking about an organization, you capitalize it. That's a name. But when you're just capitalizing the word black, you're just not grammatically correct, which is another reason why print media is dead, which is why these newspapers are going bankrupt left and right. Why nobody's buying into this crap and they just don't get it. I mean, all this concept that we need to prop up these magazines and newspapers and all of that that are failing it's like no you're failing because you suck at what you do well that's okay in today's age anytime that an entire industry starts failing because their business model is outdated uh we we just you know allocate federal money uh the uh, actually i i want to make a note on the federal money because it entertained me so much was the uh the call from the state of minnesota for federal aid to rebuild minneapolis yeah, and <laughs> they're like no uh but b- right before that i wanted to read you uh this is actually something that i pushed out onto no agenda social yesterday and it's completely relevant to what you just said uh with regards to capitalizing black and um it has to do with it's it's a a core idea that i've tried to get across on this show a couple times but i finally put it into words and i'm much more eloquent when I'm not using my out loud voice um, it says uh, every time you use the phrase black people or white people or ADOS or Muslims, men, women, trans, etc., 
or any other identity group to make a point, you are committing the fallacy of stereotype because none of these groups is uniform. Your point is certain to be wrong for the millions of people who don't fit your stereotype. And uh, it, it concludes with, you know, the the zealots on the new left uh, have have made a religion out of propagating this fallacy of stereotyping, but they're not the only ones. I hear it all the time on uh, no agenda social uh, from other people in the troll room. I hear it on no agenda. Adam and John do it all the time. Everybody who makes a point like when, whenever Adam or Mo says, well, ADOS believe this, it is guaranteed that you are wrong in millions of cases because ADOS is not a uniform group and taking any group and treating them as if they're one uniform block dehumanizes people and it, it destroys and devalues independent thought. And I, it's, it always triggers me whenever I hear somebody just blatantly stereotyping a large group, no matter what point they're making. Well, sometimes it's necessary to talk about such vast subjects, but I do agree with you in the point that we have seen lately a big change from inclusive language to divisive language. I mean, the Black Lives Matter thing was around four years ago, right about this same time. And then people at that point that said all lives matter weren't shouted down. They weren't called the racist scumbags that they're being called now. Uh, just as a side point, no. there was a story or, or being or being shot in the face in Indianapolis. That was because- exactly. That was just what I was going to go to. It's like as a side point, the the issue in Indianapolis, which appears that had an argument over that between a group of white and black people caused a white woman, 24 years old with a young kid to get shot in the head because they dared somebody in her group. I'm not even sure if it was her. But somebody in her group countered somebody that was saying Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. But I, I got to admit that the the fact that I had to read that in some you know far right wing blog because that story did not appear. I even tried to search for it and it did not appear on ABC, CBS, NBC, Reuters, none of them. And th- it, it that really it got to me. I was like, this is what is happening on the street is people are now shooting each other in the back of the head over words. Yes. And it did finally show up on Fox News, but I did the same search for as you did and nowhere else. It's uh, not surprising because we know this is what's going on with the media. Now, we know that the media and really to say the media is just biased doesn't go far enough anymore. the, The problem is that this is exactly the kind of story that if. You know, there, there's two categories of, well, there, I mean, there's, there's millions of categories of, of people on the left. Uh, but, but if I may blatantly stereotype, there's, there's two basic categories that I look at. One is the activist left, which are the people who are causing the problems. These are all the people who really need to be punched in the face and told to sit down and shut up. These are generally tend to be the people who either have something to gain from causing this unrest or are just uh, useful idiots who were given participation trophies and never disciplined when they were kids. I I'm not sure there's lots of possibilities, but, but the activists are the problem here. But the other half of the problem is uh, people like uh, my mother-in-law who is 
the sweetest person in the world and I love hanging out with her, but one does not talk politics when you go into her house because she is and always will be a lifelong Democrat, always votes Democrat. That's the end of the story. There will be no discussion ever because you you she she takes it personally and she has been a Democrat since the last time she paid any attention to the issues in like 1964. And decided then and there that she liked what the Democrat Party was doing. Hey, hint, it was civil rights back then. They they liked liberty. They liked freedom. I kind of like that, too, but has decided to vote for Democrats in every single election because that's just what she does. And she doesn't want to think about the consequences of this. And that is the reason why we keep getting these activists in positions of power in, you know, in the governor's mansion, in the city council. Because of all of the people who are desperately trying not to pay any attention or the only thing they're paying attention to is the mainstream idiots who are feeding them. The only thing that they're feeding them is stories of every single time that somebody on the right decides to pull a gun in retaliation for being harassed or attacked like, oh, God, this, you know, this horrible white person pulled a gun on a black person who was just trying to exercise her right. Well, that's not really how it worked. And stories like this, uh, her, her name was Jessica Whitaker. And I decided to commit that to memory um, in Indianapolis. She died because of some asshole hoodlum who has been fed the, you know, Oh, black lives matter, black lives better rhetoric to the point where, the guy or girl or whoever the fuck shot her felt like it was justified murder because she said all lives matter. And that is a story that absolutely needs to be told to all of the passive Democrats out there who think that voting for these people will somehow make all of the problems go away. It, it, and and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not, leaving Republicans blameless in this one because uh, you know there's lots of useful idiots on that side. But frankly, right now, it is not the Republicans who are going out and torching cities and and shooting people in the head. Um, no. I, 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 I really like to be neutral in these sort of things, and I really hate taking sides in the, the Republican versus Democrat because I loathe both parties, especially at the national level. But goddammit, the Republicans are not even a thing right now, and the People who are all on the left and all voting Democrat and being Democrat and living Democrat are the ones who are literally destroying our country. And I'm I'm building up a real hate for this group right now. You know, and that is the issue again, divisive rather than inclusive. And I'll ask you this story in Indianapolis. If we change this around and say there was an argument between two groups of people. And a young black mom said black lives matter and then was shot in the head by some white person. Oh, my God. How would this be on the news? That that would that would also be a tragedy. Yes. But we wouldn't have to talk about it for the simple reason that I would be sick of the story because it would have 24 hours or 48 hours of news coverage on every channel. And that is the issue. We and, go- and I don't like to I don't like to cover on this show stories that have been covered ad nauseum everywhere else. Well, and they, this they is why just- we're missing out on the history 
that we're all trying to well not we're all trying to the history that the leftist activists are trying to erase are erasing a lot of lessons that were learned that are going to have to be learned again and i want to know when the leftists are going to go after this is going to be very inconvenient for them but they have to go after martin luther king jr's legacy because his was one of inclusion his was one of bringing people together not that that's already happened the the patron saint of blm is not king it's malcolm x and why is that well because he was a militant black lives better type of person he he was the one who wanted to go out and and burn down cities until blacks had everything that they wanted whether or not it was equal well they want to mean he also had some good points but that was that was the message that everybody's taking now is is uh, you know they're they're not taking oh we should all be equal they're taking oh we need to you know take revenge for uh 200 years of perceived whatever yeah and this is an issue this is an issue when you are divisive it's something that's been going on for decades and it's been a very slow moving thing and it still doesn't make sense when you look at race in the united states because if we go back to the time you said like your mother-in-law if we go back in time to the 1960s there was a different world going on the rioting that was going on especially in chicago during the democratic primary was probably even a little bit worse than we've seen recently but you were living in a world where there was many more injustices going on when it came to race and if you were to go back to that time and ask people well what would be a sign that this is getting better what would be a sign that there is progress in the race relations to show that the scales have been equalized and i believe most people would at least if you're living in the united states at that point would have pointed in the 60s to well things won't be okay until we have a black president i do believe that was uttered many a time back in the 60s and 70s well the the problem of course was that they they didn't specify it had to be a black human so what they ended up with was a black corrupt lizard person (laughs) well that may be in barack hussein obama but that was the litmus test i mean this is kind of the funny thing and this happens i think even in people's in their personal lives where and if you if you only judge by actions and what they've done for the quote unquote black community, uh, Trump is way blacker than Obama ever was. That is absolutely true. But I do believe even in people's personal lives, when you make a goal that you can achieve, you run into a certain problem. Like if you say, well, my goal is I want to be a millionaire by age 30 and you're a millionaire at age 30. Well, now you have nothing else to do for the rest of your life. And I think except spend the money. Hello. (laughs) Well, then you won't be a millionaire for long, I guess. So you might need to refresh that dream. That's fine. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Also, a million bucks, not a hell of a lot of money anymore. No, uh, says the guy who uh, spent part of yesterday doing taxes. Hence why I needed to get really drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on cheap liquor or did you go for the good stuff? Uh, IPA. Oh, well, that yeah. Um, it was uh, a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Um, I do like New Belgium. I know they're a they're a corporate brand, and I usually go for the microbrews. But uh, their their stuff is good. I like the Voodoo Ranger stuff. 
a voodoo ranger. I mean, if that doesn't sound like a cool brand, I don't know what is. But when you have those goals, and I think what happened was for everybody that was a and is a leftist activist, once you had Barack Obama in the White House, you went, oh, crap, what's our rallying cry now? And Uh, if you fund the police. Yeah. Did you not notice that's almost exactly what happened that was i don't know even when it was in barack obama's presidency but let's go back to his buddy was a black professor or something that was allegedly hassled by the cops and barack came out and said the police acted stupidly and then as it often does you know the body cam footage or whatever came out and showed that his buddy was being uh much less gracious let's just say with the police officers in their interaction And the story he told was absolutely not true. But Barack Obama jumped on that right away, that the police acted stupidly. So you're right. Once you got a black president, things started to switch. And because they had to have something, you had to have something in that foothold. You had to have something for the people with who want to drink your Kool-Aid to drink. And we now have defund the police. I find it hilarious that the teachers union, I think it was in Los Angeles, was demanding higher pay and defunding the police. And it's like, you know what? If there's a union that should be gotten rid of, it's the teachers union that should be gotten rid of that. Uh, well, I, I think I've given the argument on this very show. And if I haven't, I let me know and I'll go into a long rant about it. But uh, government unions in any government position should not be a thing. They should not be allowed uh, for the simple fact that they have way too much power over the purse strings of the people. And there are no checks on their power because uh unlike uh unlike a company if if a, a company's employees unionize and the union gets too greedy they can demand and demand and demand and eventually the company can't provide any more and shuts down and everybody loses which is a check on the power and a check on the desires of the union but in government you're not going to shut down uh the you know the the people running the the teachers administration at the state level are not going to shut down all schools because the union is demanding too much no they're going to say well the the teachers union they're they're demanding pay raises of a million dollars a year and and i guess we're just going to have to raise taxes to cover it because we have to have schools we have you know or we have to have police so let's make you know make sure we give into the demands of the union and the fact that in in pure theory there is no check on the power of of a union that asks for too much because you can't shut down government services. It just doesn't happen means that there should not be unions in government services. That's absolutely true. I agree with you there, which I rarely like to do, but that makes sense. And it's also as we're seeing in Illinois and in other states, when you have absolute nincompoops who know nothing about accounting, doing all of this stuff. You end up with a state that has pensions that they can't afford, which is a lot different. Again, if a company, if this happens to a company, the company goes under, everybody's screwed. But when it happens to a state, well, you know, we can't defund those pensions. These people deserve their pensions. And uh, it's absolutely insane. this This is the reason why we need to take financial decisions away from government and state agencies as much as possible is the simple fact that when a company or a person or any private entity runs into financial problems, they have to make hard decisions about what do we cut 
and what do we raise and what and and they have to they have to resolve these hard decisions about we can't afford this do we shut something down do we cut services etc if you're in a government position then it's not popular to shut down services so hey it's fine you know we'll just resolve it by raising taxes again hey let's raise some more taxes hey yes. let's make everything more expensive Which- and it the incentives are all wrong for that. Well, and it goes right down the line for what these activists want. Currently, right now on Fox News, the headline is homeowners beware. Local governments weigh major property and wealth taxes to plug the budget holes caused by coronavirus. I mean, and looting and all yeah. this other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. But well, because because apparently the Trump administration is not interested in giving yours and my money to Minneapolis to rebuild the parts of the city that burned down because the mayor decided to fiddle and watch. Yes. Who allowed it to happen. And then they're going to raise taxes. But when it comes down to it, they don't want people to own homes. So this is just another great way to sneak this kind of stuff in and be like, oh, it wasn't our fault. There was a virus. I mean, this just like the asshole in New York. De Blasio is explaining away the crime wave. I mean, let's understand. Yeah. Totally fuck that guy, because let's understand over the last couple of years in New York, one, the bill was passed and signed by the asshole governor that is basically catch and release, which means if you get arrested in New York, if you're walking down the streets of New York right now, listening to us, look at whoever is closest to you that you can take and just walk up to them and punch them in the face. Even if there's a cop standing there watching you punch him in the face. You're going to get arrested. They're going to take you downtown, whatever, where the processing is. You're going to be out in a half hour because they will not hold you. You can repeat this as often as you want. They won't hold you. So this all is, you have to do is claim the person was a Nazi. You won't even get arrested. You know, that maybe would keep you from even getting taken downtown. But even if you do, they're not going to hold you. And that added to the fact that when this defund the police movement came up, they decided, you know what? We have a unit in New York called the Violent Crimes Unit. So, you know, out of all the units that we have in New York, I mean, which one do you think we should cut first? I mean, we probably have, you know, the guys that go on the you know mounted brigade that go to the parades and stuff. No, no, we need them. Uh, let's see. Let, let's get rid of the violent crime guys, because, you know, well, there's no violent we, we, crime in New York. We, I mean, you you could argue that if you want to reduce violent crime in a city, you get rid of the group of people that is actually named a violent crimes unit because that way you don't have as much. Right. I would guess. I mean, it's just not investigated as much. I mean, and- isn't isn't this, you know, violent crimes that are all, you know, as as we've learned over the last couple months, all violent crimes are propagated by police. So if you disband the police violent crimes unit then they're not going to be committing as many violent crimes, right? Well, we know that that's how it works. Well, we all know that people, the only thing I've learned from the left is the only reason people commit violent crimes was because they didn't get the right programs before they committed the crime. No, I thought that they commit violent crimes because they're racist. No, no. because of their skin color. Yeah. Well, you're, you're only racist if you're white though. Now, if you're black and you commit violent crimes solely against white people, you're okay because racism happened and that gives you a free pass. Aren't you? I should probably cut back on the sarcasm. Some people (laughs) might think I'm serious. Uh, And if you have that question for Ryan, you can reach out Ryan at grumpy old Ben's.com. 
But this is what's going on in a major city like New York, which is catch and release, don't hold people, and the violent crime unit disbanded, and then violent crime goes up by hundreds of percent, and the mayor has the gall to come out and go, well, you know, this coronavirus has really been causing a lot of issues, and that's that's why crime has been going up, because people have been so pent up and so anxious about this, and oh my God, AOC. Did you see this? You probably didn't because you were drinking last night and then hung over. But as I called it on Friday's episode, and I made the exact reference to Jean Valjean and Les Miserables, and that I didn't believe any of this violent crime was going because people were trying to steal a loaf of bread for their hungry family. She actually said people are committing crimes because they're trying to steal bread for to feed their family. Literally. I was like, oh my God. Who couldn't have well, called this one? The, the the people that have their hand up her butt and pulling the puppet strings probably also were out drinking, celebrating something or other and and just went to the first pop culture reference they could come to. Or or maybe they were listening to Grumpy Old Ben's on Friday. I don't know. Yeah, that might be too. They're like, Yeah, oh, we we need to <laughs> we need some ideas. I was like, oh, my. How do we screw over people even worse? Yeah. These guys seem to have good ideas. <laughs> right. We're, they're listening to us as we go. You know what's going to happen next? And it would really suck. They're going to do this. Watch. And they're going, oh, shit. That's yeah. a great oh, idea. That is. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> we should stop. <laughs> Thanks, our podcast. Yeah, we need to stop our podcast right now. The world. Well, I, yeah, I would be. I would still be sleeping if you weren't <laughs> desperate to do a podcast this morning. What the hell? Oh, come on. But there's so much, so much, so much going on. I mean, let's. Yeah. Can we just take a quick side trip to. Sports Illustrated having a trans model now for the upcoming swimsuit issue. I I, I wish you would. <laughs> Please do. Um, I think that's just something that, again, was called by me on Random Thoughts, and I'm sure Grumpy Old Ben sometime about a year ago when the last Sports Illustrated in swimsuit model uh, calendar and uh, issue came out because we already saw they were going with the bigger girls, I mean, which is okay if you're into that. There were girls with skin conditions, which had some very weird looks to them. But again, if you're into that, I guess that's fine. And they had, you know, like a 60 year old woman and there was some, you know, they were going a completely different way. And the only thing they hadn't gone full on Monty with was the transsexual model. And this year they're fixing that. So I don't know what this is going to do. I don't understand how sports illustrated is still around. Cause one sports sucks gone. Nobody I, really cares. Yeah. I, they, they, they stopped being relevant about the time that porn, like the swimsuit edition was nobody would read it for the articles. People get the swimsuit edition to look at scantily clad ladies, but somewhere in the last 20 years, it became possible to get all the porn you could possibly ever want for free. I, I mean, shit, I see it on, no agenda social all the time where I'd be like looking through my feed and, and there's, you know, CSB talking about people blocking him and, and blitz comes up with a, a huge long string of memes. And then there's a porn picture, just boobs right there. And, and not that I don't appreciate that. And I think people should keep doing that because I do like boobs, but it's easy to get porn. You don't need to go out and buy this magazine for that. So sports illustrated kind of lost the porn angle on that one is like, well, I guess, you know, we're, we're not going to be, you know, the teenagers, teenage kids aren't going to be buying this all the time for that. So what did they have left? Sports? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, literally not happening. But, you know, at least back in the day, Sports Illustrated, I mean, it was kind of playboy with clothed women, although sometimes they did the body paint. I remember Marissa Miller specifically back uh, in the ladies at some point. But the concept of being a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model meant you were going to be one of the attractive ones, the one of the pointy chicks that our buddy Larry over at that Larry show talks about. And that's why people bought it. That's why people bought Playboy. No, I, I, I never got Sports Illustrated to be one of the pointy chicks. I got it to look at them. Right. Well, right. You to be in that's, the magazine, you had to be the pointy chick to be in the swimsuit issue. Now, it's kind of like uh, apparently, apparently now I could be in the magazine by <laughs> trying to become a pointy chick. I'm not sure. Okay, if you want to see Ryan Bemrose in the next Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar slash issue, make sure you reach out to Sports Illustrated and let them know. But you're right. You qualify now, I guess. It used to be back, you know, five, ten years ago or more, you had to be an attractive woman in the age range of like 18, like 30 was like the high end. Now you just can be anything, any shape, any size. How how much do they pay? I mean, any gender. Now, probably How much nothing. do they pay for a spray? Oh, okay. I was going to say, because if the pay is good, I can identify as an attractive woman for, <laughs> for the purpose of a photo shoot and then go back to my regular life. You know, but this is, this is the weirdness of this concept that they've been trying to push that everybody is exactly alike. And as we talked about since episode one, not everybody gets to bork Adriana Lima. And that is where the breakdown comes. This this concept that people want to buy a magazine with average or subpar looking he, she, whatever's, uh, you could just go out on the Internet. You could walk down the street. You'll see the same thing. So what are you buying? I don't know. They don't have a product anymore. And and going out on the street right right now is the time in the Pacific Northwest. We're going out on this. Well, normally we're going out on the street. You see lots and lots of people because summer. Summer always starts on the 5th of July. So we've only had summer for about a week now. And uh, it, it rains all spring. Spring is six months long and it's always raining. And people right now out on the street are wearing as little as possible. Like, you know, people just walking around out in the street in bikinis. Uh, and, and by the way, he needs to probably tone it down a little bit. <laughs> well, he needs but, the extra uh, extra support. Of course, they're also wearing masks, but. Well, you're yeah, so, not, not nearly, but, th- but yeah, this is the time of year that it's really nice to be out on the street most of the time. And you've heard about now, uh, even while you're having sexual intercourse, you should be wearing a mask to stay safe. I'm not quite that kinky. <laughs> that is a little bit odd. That is a little out there. Uh, I, our, I'm sorry, not into bondage. Our buddy, sir, Omaha said he thought Sports Illustrated was ceasing all print. They should be. I just had to cancel a, I mean, I, mean, I think the whole card was going to end up being canceled that uh, and this wasn't sports illustrated's fault this was getting magazine subscriptions through a third party which we've been getting sports illustrated for like the last couple of years it was one of these things like we will give you a year of sports illustrated for two dollars it's like okay for two bucks i want to see what's in the swimsuit issue because it's usually good for a podcast this year not even going to bother but they tried to renew and normally the way this this company worked was they would send a postcard and you had to call in and it was very very i think i did a random thoughts about this the last round of these came in because they send you a postcard with the phone number and your account number 
And if you go in and try to cancel, it's very confusing. Like, well, we could they, they give you a different price, but they try to keep you from canceling. But the words that they use are kind of like double negative. So it's kind of hard to know what you're even saying yes to or no to and trying to get it fully canceled is a pain in the ass. Well, this year didn't even get the postcard. And what we ended up getting was a $58 charge on our credit card saying renewing Sports <laughs> Illustrated. And it's like, no, I don't think so. You know, no, none of this is unique to Sports Illustrated. This no. has been happening to magazines everywhere is it, it's no longer economically feasible because who the hell reads magazines anymore when in the age of the Internet and nobody, everybody is abandoning their print edition and effectively becoming online blogs. Yeah. And they go the, online and they think that people are going to pay for it online, which doesn't yeah. work because well, the, in, in, in that case, they can I mean, they can try their hand at changing their business model to that. But but the simple fact is the the only companies that succeed are going to be the ones that jettison the old business model of having 70 people work all month to put together one magazine and then expect everybody to pay $3 an episode or issue for it. It, it. it doesn't work anymore. Not, not in an age of podcasting where two idiots with, you know, $30 worth of microphone can get together and put together content twice a week. Apparently <laughs> maybe more depending, <laughs> maybe more, but I did just get and, the, from our, the will County here in Illinois, got the uh, envelope in the mail which I haven't even opened yet, but my election materials are enclosed, including my voter registration card and an application for a vote by mail ballot. They're pushing the vote by mail. Uh, are they asking you to apply or are they just sending you the ballot? No, it seems like I have to apply for that. So at least that's one okay. step better than we're only doing mail in. And here's the and here's. Yeah, the, usually uh, my first clue that that there's an election coming up is my ballot arrives in the mail. The funny thing is that the the pamphlet that that gives you all of the you know how to vote and what to do that they, usually wait, wait, arrives they have a, a few days telling later. you how to vote. Yeah. Well, well vote it, for this person. A, vote for Jay Inslee, please. Well, well I, I'm sure they would do that if possible. There there have been a, a number of scandals where, uh, let's see, our attorney general who uh, actively campaigns for uh, the Democrat causes and and candidates. Uh, the, before the whole COVID thing went on, I was already wanting to recall Inslee and, uh, uh, sideshow Bob Ferguson, we call him, uh, who hasn't really, I haven't heard much about Bob Ferguson during the COVID, but, um, they were both out, uh, actively campaigning in Eastern Washington, uh, using of course, government funded transportation and on state time campaigning for democrat candidates in eastern washington which is the the republican half of the state the exact same stuff they'll complain that donald trump does but then they do it themselves yeah. so it shows you how they, they they're really into um, it. and uh you know ferguson was actually using the entire secretary of state office or the attorney general's office to uh campaign against or for or whatever with there was a gun control thing that passed. It was totally unconstitutional, but the Supreme Court here in the state is also compromised. Well, yeah, you um, saw that those the couple in St. Louis, right? That uh, that's where this was, where the Black Lives Matter broke through a gate and were you know marching. Oh, next they got to their home. yeah, they got red flagged. Yeah, they got their guns taken away because they dared to walk outside with their guns and protect their own property, which is, by the way, a hundred percent legal in Missouri, which is a 
has even a stronger castle doctrine than than where I live. Uh, you know, in in my case, if if somebody breaks through into my yard um, and I shoot them, I can still be held, uh, you know, charged with whatever, uh, you know, shooting somebody, racism. I don't know what the charge would be. All of those. Um, but in this one, if they go so far as to enter my house, I can shoot their face off and I'm protected because it's my house. Uh, but in Missouri, apparently just entering your, your gated yard is good enough. And so, uh, honestly, these two would have been uh, might have been a lot better off if they just opened fire on everybody <laughs> who stepped through that gate. As it is, the apparently the local officials there are now uh, roasting them and demonizing them. And oh, how dare you? The funny thing is, these two were lifelong Democrats who had donated to Obama's campaign. But that and, doesn't matter because I mean, Black and, Lives Matter is not a Democratic group. I will give you, you know, a Democrat group. I keep saying Democratic, but that's uh, not really the case. They're not well, allied no. with the Democrats. Well, it, it, they're they're not allied with anybody, right? They're, I mean, they're they're, they're, they're too they're far open. left for anybody yeah. that would consider themselves a normal Democrat. If you consider yourself a Democrat and you know what Black Lives Matter stands for, you cannot go along with it. Now, if you're a Marxist or a socialist, yay. You're you're in the you're in the club. Well, I, I I think we might be seeing the end of the Democrat Party in the in, in the United States because the you know, the division between left and right has always been uh, uh, particularly visible, mostly because it gets all the news coverage and because everybody who benefits from divisiveness like <clears throat> the media um, are constantly driving wedges. But uh, I think that the classical Democrats and the modern uh, Tea Party style Republicans have a lot more in common than either of those groups have with the Marxists and communists that are, are now becoming a, a significant minority and, and you know becoming the new Democrat Party. Yeah. And I think that the Democrat Party cannot hold as long as you have two completely irreconcilable uh, ideologies in there. I actually really agree with the the classical, the, you know, I said the, the civil rights Democrats, the the classical everybody should be equal. They, I, they, there's some pretty good ideas there, but this Marxist shit that's taking over the party is going to destroy it from within. Yeah. And do you think the average Democrat even has a clue what's going on or what will happen if you elect enough of the AOC type into office to where you will be completely oh, yeah, yeah. screwed? That, yeah, that was that was in that documentary on uh, CNN, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that that warned about uh, all of these activists in the Democrat Party destroying it from within. I I must have missed that because I don't remember seeing it on CNN or any of the the big mainstream news no, outlets. I for some reason I I uh, where did I hear about? Uh, oh yeah, Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones. Uh, Russia Today. No um, agenda. No agenda. Bill O'Reilly. Uh, it's an interesting thing. The media, as far as the mainstream, as we've talked about, it's like the ninety uh, percent of the media is owned by six companies, and they have a very clear cut agenda. They have a narrative that they want to push, and they don't want to talk about anything that is negative when it comes to the Democrats or the left. They're afraid, I think, because we're seeing cancel culture and the the results of that, I mean, even when they're starting to go after Disney, I mean, they're the most woke company out there 
but Disney has the rights to Hamilton and all of a sudden, oh my God, we gotta we gotta go after the woke even. And Disney, I mean, a lot of these people I well, think think they're immune because they're so woke. And what's gonna no, end up happening the, is everybody gets canceled. The the nature of this cancellation beast that they've got by the tail is it I, I don't think that they realize that the 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 elites who and and media personalities who have started wielding this this woke cancel culture beast don't realize that they are not the ones in control and it is going to turn around and the the cancel culture does not care who it destroys it only cares about destroying and in the end we're we're i mean there's going to be plenty of opportunities for rebuilding as the the smoldering ruins of every one of our institutions remain unless the the people finally wake up and i can't believe i just said that now i sound like a conspiracy <laughs> dude uh, the the people need to get tired of seeing this every time and start to toughen the fuck up and realize that hey you know m- maybe words aren't as bad as as we've been making it out to be and and maybe this freedom of speech thing should make a comeback because it really does seem to be the only way that a society can function without destroying itself from within. Well, it's the only way to have any kind of debate. If you silence one Nobody side wants debate, well, I rational people do rational people oh. on both sides. Yeah. Do. Well, that that's speaking of dying breeds. Yes. Well, it's because, and I know it's an easy thing to point to, but schools, schools, cell phones, the internet, People are just not paying attention. Again, we, we went back to the 1960s in our minds a little bit earlier. If you were to go back into the times of you know the late 1700s, early 1800s, when people got together, politics was the topic they talked about. And for some reason, we've ingrained into a society now that you don't talk about religion or politics in polite company while we let our children get completely indoctrinated in schools and by the media and by the whole entertainment system that has now grown up around just being woke. Thank God you and I are not polite company. That is true. That is absolutely true. And I mean, I've noticed the less polite we are, the more the show takes off. So that's, (laughs) that's just something to be said there. And, uh, um, you know, I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, adding fuel to the fire, but maybe a little bit that, you know, it's good radio when we disagree to, you know, there's the NPR, you know, there's the PBS, you know, kind of debate show where it's like, well, you know, we only disagree when you're completely wrong. Right. Of course. You know, yep. there, there's that. Well, you know, Ryan, I disagree with you. And, and here's my reason why. But I respect your opinion. That's boring. It's much more fun to be like, no, you're an idiot. Shut up. And that works. I think people. Like, yeah. Okay. Point taken. But oh. <laughs> yeah, I think people are so pent up that <sighs> they want they want that release. I think they're living vicariously through us as as they listen to grumpy old Ben's and kind of, you know just get in on the arguments and get in on the fun. And you're right. People do need to wake up though, and that does sound cliche, but yeah. Like, like at, at showtime this morning, when you were like, Sir Emrose needs to wake up. Right. Well, literally, yeah. you literally need to wake up to do the show. Although, like I said, there was a long line of people that want to get in on that. And uh, I, it, next week, 
you're going to be uh, auditions. Auditions have closed for this week. Your ears are going to be burning as you're out on a nice camping vacation. No, my my ears are going to be burning because it's going to be 95 degrees where I'm going with <laughs> sunshine in the river. And I will have forgotten to put sunscreen on there. And frankly, everything about this show will be farthest from my mind because screw you guys. I'm going on vacation as you go down. What are you going like river rafting? I mean, is there any danger in this that you might not come back or there might have to be a search party? Uh, well, there, there's always danger. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're in the wilderness. I, 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 I might, uh, you know, find myself a hot money, honey, and, you know, elope. You're already married. You have a better chance of finding a hungry grizzly bear who finds <laughs> your particular level of being out of okay, shape. Don't talk about Bemlet that way. <laughs> well, Whatever you guys do in the privacy of your own tent, nobody cares about. Now, we, we are going to a place called Lake Wallula, uh, which is uh, technically a river, but it behaves like a lake because of the hydroelectric dams that have turned everything into reservoirs. Damn people screwing up everything. No. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Maybe the government. It's all the government's fault, man. But if people don't wake up, you get the government you deserve. And I, I still don't understand how people can't realize that the United States, as of right now, with all of its faults, is still the best thing going. If there was a never, better never place underestimate to go, the power of self-delusion yeah. in large quantities. Yeah, because if there was a better place to go, you could go there. There's I'd, a, I'd be there. Yes. Why would we be here if there was a better place to go? But nobody wants to. Nobody wants to get into that conversation. I mean, they would I've, rather, I've already been told that I'm not invited in Idaho anymore because ooh. I'm. I'm way too far left for that. You're too far left for Idaho. Yeah, that 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 was uh, what Blue Douche told me in the troll room. Well, he's usually right. So you might want to <laughs> yeah, check far, your privilege. Far right. <laughs> you might want to check your privilege there. And, and uh, find I out. checked it's full. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. But you had some other tech stories, right? I mean, there was there were some things on a list from um, it. Uh, I do. I do. Oh, I should probably pull my notes back up. That would, um, well, yeah, and pull your pants up. Uh, so I've got uh, SJWs at Ford, but that was covered by no agenda. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the one thing I wanted to pull out of that story, though, and it's, it's kind of old news. It's now a week old, uh, was the, C, the, the Jim Hackett, the CEO of Ford, um, gained a lot of credibility in my book when he said, no, we're, we're not going to stop making cop cars because we're making a hell of a lot of money. Right. And, you know, he, he couched it in. Uh, it, we, we're not interested in the politics of whether co- what cops are doing. We're just trying to keep everybody safe and making good cars keeps police safe, which uh, makes sense. Uh, the, the quote that I liked the most was he said, uh, the issues plaguing police credibility have nothing to do with the vehicles they're driving, which is accurate. Now, that's yeah, but it, what what that you know what that is? That is a rational statement, and, and it's so rare these days. I just have to call it out when it happens. Well, you see, now if I was the CEO of Ford, and I mean they would never let me be, but let's just pretend I was. I, you got my vote, and this kind of a thing comes up. You have your employees go all SJW and say we want to stop making police cars. I would be okay. Well, let me see here. Let me pull up the books, and I don't know what percentage it is. But let's just say it's 10% of their business is vehicles for police on a yearly basis from Ford. I don't even think that's that high of a number. It maybe it's a little higher. I don't know. But let's just pretend it's 10%. I would go, okay, um, so which 10% of you are, am I firing? 
just give me a list of which 10% of the workforce I'm firing and the other 90% just sign here that you're willing to take a pay cut too, because I mean, it's not just people we need to get rid of. We need to cut some overhead too, because that paid for this, this, and this. So, okay, which 10% of my firing and sign here that your insurance premiums are going up, your coverage is going down <laughs> and your salary is going down. If you're okay with that, we'll stop providing the police with their cars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, you open yourself up to shareholder lawsuits when every single company that has made some kind of financial decision to cost themselves money in order to be woke has opened itself up to massive shareholder lawsuits. That sort of thing does not fly when you're a big corporation. You have to take that money. And when you say, uh, oh, well, we've decided that for purely political reasons, uh, we want to, uh, you know, cancel all of our advertising. And therefore, you know, are that, you know, people who've decided to stop advertising on Facebook, uh, when, when they come back next month and realize that they've had a, a 7% drop in sales that can be directly correlated to this woke decision that they made, the shareholders are going to be out for blood. Those people do not have any patience for, oh, but it was for a, a valuable cause. No. No, you just you failed to make shareholder money and they are going to crucify you for it. Well, and then here's the other thing. There are other people out there making vehicles who would be more than happy to sell them to the police. So it's not like, oh, yes, you're keeping this from the police like, hey, they're not going to be able to get cars if we don't give it to them. That'll screw them. It's like, no, they're going to go. OK, Chevy, you want the deal? No. OK, uh, Honda, Toyota, who wants the money? Somebody will you take know, it. It's quite possible the ship has already sailed in a lot of companies, especially when you have, uh, you know, the executives or the CEO fully on board with the wokeness. But Dvorak had the right idea. The only possible way for a company to, you know, once your own employees start insisting that the company violate its shareholder obligations by doing irrational things for woke causes as soon as as soon as a group of employees starts getting really vocal the only way for a company to come out rosy on the other end is to immediately fire every single one of those employees just get them out and unfortunately a lot of these companies uh you know especially places like if if you're amazon or amazon affiliated and you've got a a woke retard as the ceo um then you're kind of screwed and your whole company is going to suffer for it. Uh, but if, you know, Google in 2015, when the, or 2016, when the uh, James Demore case came out where they had a, a Republican employee who ended up getting drummed out of the entire company because he went out and found, uh, you know, a, a scientific evidence and, and rational analysis that said, you know, there actually is a difference between males and females. And they drove him out of the company because that didn't follow the identity narrative that they wanted to push. And Google was already too far gone by that point with their entire culture of bring your whole self to work. But the Google, you know, Google might not be the right choice, but the only possible way when you have a group of people saying we need to compromise our shareholder obligations for the purpose of pushing my ideology. 
you got to get rid of those people. Just they, they're, they're poison. They are destroying your company culture. I watched it happen at Microsoft. It was pretty slow early on, but you know, about the time that I started there 20 ish years ago, the, the people in charge, the, they started, you know, by saying, you know, here are the obligations, here are the things that we need to do. And then somewhere along the line, while I was there, uh, they started saying, you know, we need to, uh, we need diversity training and they started forcing every employee to go to diversity training. And then they started, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, make sure that employees would be checked off. Oh my God. I had such amazing arguments with my manager about whether or not it was worth my time to go take a pop fucking quiz on whether or not I was being diverse enough as an employee at that company. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was the kind of person, by the way, the, the quiz was like it would you, you would have to watch a 45 minute video and then take a 15 minute quiz at the end. It was an hour out of your day. And I would spend three hours picking apart the code in order to convince the database that I had taken it without watching <laughs> their god awful video because it was worth it to me. And, you know, my manager was like, you're, you're making the wrong decision. And, and he was right in terms of how, how much time. but. It was worth it for my sanity to spend three hours coding instead of spending one hour having my brains melted out my ear by some SJW agenda being piped in under the guise of being inclusive. And just over the entire course of being there, it got worse and worse to the point where they were like, you know, all all managers need to spend a, a weekend every six months going to diversity training camps so that you can take back to your employees and explain to them how it's far more important to be inclusive and, and in and understanding of everybody's race than it is to write good code. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about being woke and I'm interested if there's going to be any good stories. I have a family member won't say who, just in case anybody's listening that just took a job in HR with Amazon. And I'm guessing there's going to be some good stories of what's going on uh, they they're paying fairly well including a uh i think it was a ten thousand dollar signing bonus that if you're there for a year you get a ten thousand dollar bonus which i said that that's kind of a big bet like that you're not going to be there in a year but it'll be interesting to know exactly how that place works behind the scenes especially hot off the story of the guy quitting like i'm leaving my truck with the keys in it come get it here it's like yeah i still don't know how that guy wasn't arrested on a felony but this is the woke world. I, I, I'm not sure what story this is. Oh, you didn't hear about that? But the Amazon guy that, sounds- that it was an Amazon delivery driver working for Amazon, you know, not UPS or anything. He was one of Amazon's delivery drivers. This was like a week or two ago who decided he was quitting because, you know, $15 an hour wasn't enough for the amount of hours they wanted him to work. Well, it's like, like, shit, that's that's minimum wage. Yeah, that's, well, actually, in the city of Seattle, that is literally minimum wage. And is barely a living wage for the housing costs in Seattle. You know, that is true. But if you took the job, that's kind of your problem. You know, it's one thing if people want to complain about stuff like their boss is screwing them over in one way or another, or they're being treated unfairly or they're being singled out. I don't give any credence to somebody who's going to bitch about they want me to work too many hours. Don't they pay you hourly? Yeah, you get overtime. Yeah, well, they want me to work too many hours. (laughs) Well, Washington is also an at-will employment state, which means that either you or the employer can end the employment for any reason at any time, although that's been weakened a lot as they 
offered carve outs like you can't end it if you're being discriminated. You can't end on the basis of race or sex or, you, you, you know, the usual list. Right. But now, according to this driver, according to what he posted on social media, he quit in the middle of his workday, left the keys in his Amazon provided vehicle filled with Amazon packages. And he was posted. just donating to BLM. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because he posted online where it was and where he left the truck and that he was quitting. And, oh, look at all the great Amazon employees that are oh, they're sending them how much respect and they think it's great. And I'm just wondering, is this not Grand Theft Auto and a felony? Because you took a vehicle that didn't belong to you and you left it with the keys in it filled with thousands of dollars of Amazon merchandise and told people online where to go take it. I would think that would be a felony. I have never seen one story that mentioned the fact that that might be less than legal to take a work vehicle and leave the keys in it and just tell anybody who wants it to come get it. But that's the media. That's the kind of stories they cover. And speaking of the media and being woke, NBC Universal has a new news group chairman And he set a bold goal, Ryan. He wants to have a workforce at NBC News, MSNBC, and CNBC that is at least 50% minority. Yay, wokeness. At least 50% minority. I mean, that's a business model that needs to fail. Yeah, I don't quite get it. Again, rather than. Honestly, the moment that you abandon merit, you're already handicapping your, your business model. And in any industry where there's actual competition, the market will work out that using people who are not the best people you can get will put you at a competitive disadvantage and you won't do well in the marketplace, which is why they That's need the socialism or, or just government handouts. Right. It's kind of the same thing. Need to prop them up because their business isn't doing well, but they admit they're not going to hire the best person for the job. They need to be at least 50% minority. Currently, they say the and, staff and that, that, just just to be clear, that's not yep. to say that minorities are not the best people for the job in some cases. Yeah, but they're not the best people for the job in every case. That's the fallacy of stereotyping. And the moment that you remove merit as your primary criteria, you are not going to be getting the optimal workforce. And let's all remember that currently the birth rate in the United States, white folk like you and me, we're in the minority. Well, so. I, you, you know, in, in today's increasingly global world, uh, people who whose race is generally identified as white, which is usually European descent, pale skin, et cetera, um, are only, what, 25, 30 percent of the people in the world. So we're minorities. We should get oh, the government jo- jobs and handouts. This this was this was a point when uh, when Reddit had their new policy that said uh, you are only allowed to discriminate against people who are in the majority. And I know that they wrote that as an out to be, we're okay with harassment and racism against whites. Right. But, but they don't say the majority in any particular area. They don't say the majority in the United States. They don't say the majority in Silicon Valley, where of course their heads are. Uh, they just say in the majority and uh, Reddit being on the internet is an international company. There are a lot of people outside the United States who use Reddit every day. In fact, it's owned by the CCP, of course. Ooh. Um, well, it, uh, Connie Nast owns Reddit and uh, Connie Nast's biggest, uh, uh, their, their biggest investor is, is Chinese. So, well, this kinda, is 
Another thing you but, run into with the global government kind of a concept, uh, Bill O'Reilly said he had an argument with a somewhat rational leftist that he knows that was all for the reparations. That's a rational leftist? The, the, my, I, I, not paying attention to the world or just like some kind of special unicorn? I didn't know those were allowed anymore. It's all a matter of degrees, I guess. But she was all in, he said, on reparations and he's like well this you know just for the united states i mean it's this and she kind of made a comment well no this is you know around the world people that have been wrong you know they should they should get reparations and he said well you know my family came from ireland and they had x amount of acres whatever it was that was taken and seized by the british crown you know how many 100 200 years ago whatever it was so he's like do i get reparations and that i guess short-circuited her brain and she didn't know what to do with that so so I'm even willing to have the conversation about if somebody who's been wronged should receive reparations from somebody who wronged them that, you know, that that might be called penalty or or retribution or revenge or, you know, there's there's lots of words that effectively mean, you know, somebody who has wronged somebody else should have to, you know, should, should be given the opportunity to make things right. Uh, the idea that I will never entertain is a complete non-starter and should be a complete non-starter for anybody who has given it the moment of rational thought, which we already established is most people have not, is the idea that I should owe you something because of something that I didn't do, but you know somebody far in the past did to somebody else far in the past, and you've decided to trace the lineage. Yeah. Uh, the the twenty three and me it became a huge thing, and a lot of people went out and they were like, "I wanted to get my lineage." And you know, genealogy has always been a big thing. There are people in my family who are really big on tracing genealogy. Right now, I honestly don't want to know. I I don't you know if if I don't know who I'm descended from, that limits the pool of people whose actions I can be held accountable for. <laughs> True. It, so I you know I I. I know I know who my parents are, and I even met three of my four grandparents uh, who are all, you know, they're all gone now and I've only got one parent left. But those those are the only people whose actions I can even come close to to understanding or, or dealing with because I talked to them. I met them. I understand. But even then, like if my dad went and punched somebody in the face in 1965. Do I want that person's son to come and hit me in the face today because in retribution for that? No, um, I fucking fight back. That's not cool. We must have if, retribution. And that's what that's what the, you know, re- reparations is. It, it It's a very political word, but denotatively the same. You, you can use the word retribution or revenge and get the same meaning and the same effect. It's, uh, of course, you know, differently connotative and charged differently. But maybe, you know, if if your argument style like mine is just to make the other person angry enough to stop being rational and then declare victory, uh, which is an entertaining as hell, then, yeah, using words that have the same denotative meaning and different connotation is is always a great tactic. Yes. Well, it's all redistribution of wealth and it's impossible to get it from just certain people, which means if the United States ever were to decide. We're going to pay reparations to a group. It's going to come from tax money, which means it's going to come from people that were responsible, their families, their forefathers, and people that weren't. Probably way more of the latter. 
including people like, let's understand, Kamala Harris, who her family owned slaves. You know, this is kind of a, this is the inconvenient truth to talk about when she, it comes to slavery. I mean, she's got millions of slaves now. Yeah, well, it's not, you know, it's not. They're, they're ideological thing. slaves, but. Yes, as we've talked about, there's a lot of slavery in the world still going on. It is nothing to do with color. It has complete things to do with power and economic things. And when you start having companies like NBC here, which is trying to fill a workforce based upon demographic data right now, their staff is 27 percent minority. So they almost want to double that, which is fine. I mean, sure, that's a goal. But as we learn, well, that, even, that, that's fine. Right up until the point where somebody is who is highly qualified gets thrown out right because of the color of their skin. Well, it's OK that's if you're pretty white much to be fired. Well, but but it's not it, it's not OK. And it's not it's not legal. We've got lots and lots of laws now that say you can't discriminate against people by the color of their skin. Well, and no, the no, if they're white, do, then you can. But the laws don't say if they're white and at, at some point and. You know, if if you are a, a hoodlum in Portland wearing a, an Antifa banner mask and you really don't care about the particular legal aspect. But if you are the CEO of a corporation and you decide to make a decision like this, you are selling your corporation out to years of lawsuits uh, to, to courts where. In the at the court, they really care about what's written in the law. And unless you can buy enough Congress people to write a new law that says it's okay to discriminate against people as long as they're white, until that's in the law, CEOs of these companies are really destroying their companies by doing something blatantly illegal as instituting racist policies. It's it's one of the reasons, for example, why the California legislature a couple weeks ago put into california law or or tried to they they still have to vote on it but that you know that might pass uh, trying to change the california constitution that effectively says yeah it's okay uh, affirmative action is fine it's okay to have racist racist discriminatory policies they need that because otherwise the government is going to be sued into oblivion they're going to lose what budget they have left by people who are actually following the law and trust me, those people still exist. And there's lots of lawyers out there who would really love to represent them. And rightfully so. But I mean, we should go. I mean, I think we should do this across the board though. I mean, just, it's for fairness because I mean, like right now the NBA is kind of the opposite of NBC three letters, kind of similar where NBC has 27% minorities. The NBA right now, 23.3% white people. So I think we need to up that to 50% in the NBA. I mean, if we're going to be fair about things, we should have a 50% white guy rate in the NBA. And then you really should let some women play too. So, I mean, we need 50% white and 50% women. <laughs> Only if you women. can find seven foot one women. <laughs> well, there's probably a few of those could, out there. But who can dunk a three-pointer. <laughs> right. That would be over, over a guy's head. That would be good. But the NBC News, 27% minority, 8% black, Latino, and Asian, which it's kind of weird that that's like 8% across the board for all of those. But obviously, maybe they are checking boxes already at NBC, and they want I, half the employees to be women. And they said they're closer with that. But that's their new 50% initiative, which is 50% minority and 50% women. Just like Joe Biden, well, my vice well, presidential candidate has to be a woman and a woman of color. This is what's going on in the world right now. 
as, as much as it's a lot of fun to to point out all of these rational and logical inconsistencies, and I, we can do this all day. We've done it for many, many shows. The the problem is that the type of people who are who who we're railing against literally do not let rationality drive their decision making. It's does this feel good? Which is why it is so easy to come up with rational contradictions in what they do because they're not thinking rationally. It's th- this is not a, you know that's not even a, a an insult or or a jab that that is literally what they're doing. They're saying, well, does this black person and this white person in this situation it it feels right that the black person should have everything the white person owns so let's do that and that situation every situation is is they feel out what seems right in individual situations and then screech and scream and throw bricks until it happens and then once that happens they seek out the next situation to to drive by feeling and this is why you know we we can we can talk as much as we want about individual uh, occasions or, or examples, but. Well, it, it has to go every which me. way if you're going to do it. And the, the guy, from- if, if it's rational, then yes, you, you know, we long ago in our society, we came up with the idea that we should write down the rules by which our society functions. And that's the rule of law. And we're abandoning that. We're, we're throwing it out in favor of do what feels right which is a real fucking Lord of the Flies moment. And that is going to destroy the society. Yes. The guy that runs NBC said, quote, this is the right moment for NBC Universal to not just wait for change to happen, but to take the lead in it. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and all these people who are, are the heads of companies and are, you know, elected officials, uh, the, the kind of people that we expect you know, the part of the job qualification should include the ability to think and they're not doing it. They're just feeling things out and uh, creating rational inconsistencies. And I, 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 the society is coming apart at the seams. Well, it is. And nobody sees just like the left woke mob doesn't believe that they're going to be the targets of this ever. And we're seeing that already happening. The same thing is said here where it's like, oh, well, let's, you know, all companies should be 50 percent minority or whatever that percentage should be. There are companies that are more than 50 percent black right now. So it's like so black people are going to have to lose their job in that company so they can bring more white people in. Right. Can can we just back up and I let's let's ignore all context in in where what let's analyze for a moment this statement. All companies should be at least. 50% 50% minority. Yes. I'm woke. Just let that soak in a little bit. That just the statement itself, ignore what it means in the context. All companies should be at least 50% minority. What does this do to the single then person? They're not company? freaking minorities anymore. They're the majority when they're over 50%. What happens if you're just a single business owner? Then you, you have to be mixed race in order to have a business. Uh, no, no, you no, you have to be put out of business because and, and if the, it's 50 percent, mi- if it's 50 percent minority, then as a white guy, if I start a company and I want to hire my first employee, they would have to be black and a woman. Right. To make it I, fair. I'm just saying that by the definition of the word minority, yeah. if if everybody is more than 50 percent minority, they're not the minorities. That's math. That is that is basic numbers, statistics. It, if if you have more people in one group than the other, they're not the minority. It just 
But they mean in the country. But that also brings up an interesting math problem, which no, is they, let's they just have assume, no idea what they mean. They're, let, they're, well, they're idiots. That is true. But let's <laughs> just assume they do. And half of everybody employed in the United States is minority. That would mean there's going to be a lot of white people or whoever's the majority out of work. I, I, I guarantee you, by the rules of mathematics, less than half of the people are minorities. That, that is how the word minority works. Right. So if they're less than half of the country because they're a minority and they have to be 50 percent of the workforce, what does that mean for the full workforce? Well, obviously, it means higher unemployment for the group that you've decided to other yes that, that you labeled yeah but that's uh, what they want yes exactly what they want so i mean their system and, maybe and is working it, it, you know but if if we keep a capitalist system here's what happens when when the large woke company decides to disenfranchise an entire group of people based on their skin color is uh you you have created a large group of people, all of whom are now unemployable because they have the wrong skin color. If we have a rational capitalist system, and I know that now I'm going off into you know unicorn fantasy land, then those people, some of them will decide, you know what, screw this. I can't get a job with anybody else. I'm going to start my own agency. I'm going to compete. I'm going to hire all of the smartest of these people who are unemployable because even though they're excellent workers, they have the wrong skin color. They're going to hire based on merit. They're going to outcompete and they're going to destroy these dinosaur woke companies in the marketplace. And eventually the system goes back to a meritocracy. If, if you have, and that's why it's so important to not be putting strangling controls on economic movement is because competition in the marketplace it, it might take a while but will work out all of these inefficiencies that are being introduced because of ideology and, and if ultimately if if you are not hiring on merit if you are hiring based on something that is unrelated to merit like skin color then somebody who hires on merit is going to make a better product and is going to be better than you and eventually y- you go out of business and they take over the market yeah. And for people who don't really still have that sink in, if you're forcing a company, in this case, they're doing it to themselves in NBC to be 50 percent minority and 50 percent woman uh, female, then you are limiting the people you can hire. So the most best fit, you know, the most qualified best fit for that job can walk in and they're like, oh, crap, white guy. Yeah, no. We, we can't hire you. We, 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 we would have to we'd have to fire another white guy in order to hire you. And the minute you start looking at as a bar for employment, somebody's gender. I mean, that should really be. I thought the woke people were against being judged on gender uh, or your skin uh, color. Even even 10 years ago, in at least in the technology sector, th- there was a lot of push. Uh, and I, I saw it at Microsoft. A lot of push saying uh, we need to hire more women. And back then, I I was still I, I was in the minority ideologically saying no. What we need is is qualified engineers because these bugs you're writing are fucking ridiculous, and only a novice would make that mistake. And of course, uh, you know, in, insulting devs always made me popular. But. <laughs> People coming out and saying, no, we have to have more women developers. And I'm like, what the hell does gender have to do with it? But I, I again, I was already being shouted down because uh, 
HR and, and top people in the company were, were already woke enough that they were saying, yeah, we really need, and, you know, it, it was to the point, you know, I, I participated in interviews and, uh, when an interviewer came by who was female, and I tell you what, it, 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 this had nothing to do with company policy or anything. Uh, we got 20 male applicants for every female applicant. That's just the demographics that were coming out for whatever reason. Uh, and, and you, you know, the step before industry was college. So this, I, I'm not exactly certain how, but this can probably be blamed on the college somewhere along the line. Colleges were not incentivizing women to go into computer science. And somehow that became our problem. So when that one in 20 female applicant came by, there was extreme pressure to ignore whether or not they could code and just say yes, because female. Well, so here's another question, because we're not allowed to tell somebody that they're not what they say they are. So if you're a guy who's kind of a shitty coder, but you want to work for Microsoft or whoever that has one of these policies, can't you just say you're a woman? I bet that would work now. I mean, that's genius, right? That is I, genius. Just, I don't I don't know that that would have worked before, but I bet it would work now. It may work now. And the other thing that comes I guarantee it would work somewhere like Google. Yeah. Well, that the Google, which is in the in the fictional world of HBO's Silicon Valley as Hooli, there was a whole group of people at Hooli that they hired. This was all male, but the concept is the same that they hired and then realized they didn't really want them at the company. So they kept them on the payroll and they all used to just go sit up on the roof and drink beer during the day. That is what would be the same thing for companies that can afford it, like a Google or a Microsoft in a world that's like, well, you need, you know, 20 percent women on your force or whatever it is. Well, you can hire them and then just be like, yeah, I got nothing for you to do today. Come see me next week. Yeah, I got still got nothing, but we're, we're giving you a paycheck so we can keep our we well, can keep those numbers. I mean, that's that's not fiction. No, um, that that's how Windows development was done sometimes. Nice. And. People? Windows had 6,000 people and every once in a while, I like <laughs> there, there were times when I'm, I'm like, uh, okay, I'm, you know, I, I, of course in, in my you know twenties and thirties, I'm, uh, drinking every night, of course, even on weekdays. And so I'd come You're still doing that to, now. Well, uh, yesterday was a weekend sort of Sunday. Um, okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Also, when I was drinking yesterday, I wasn't planning on having a podcast in the morning. I don't know where this idea came from. You and your foolish consistencies. Yes, it's Monday. Uh, but, we need to hear from Ryan Bembrose and he's hungover. So he's even more grumpy than normal. Yay. But I had times when I'd come in at, at you know, Windows Vista, especially when I would come in, uh, you know, possibly still drunk uh, from the night before and be like, I don't want to code anything. And then I would just be praying that the build breaks <laughs> because if the build is broken, you have nothing to install you can't test it and so you're sitting there playing solitaire until somebody fixes the build system and you know developer checks in a fix that makes it so that you can get a and then windows windows the you know mo most software you've got a system where you like you make code fixes and then you build it and then it takes you know say if you've got a complicated build system it takes three minutes to build the whole thing not with windows building windows took 18 hours on the top of the line, most powerful systems we had. And so 
what always had to happen was any fix that you wanted. Uh, if, if you needed a full build of the operating system, you had to have it in. The builds usually kicked off about 2 p.m. And if if you got it in by then, the builds would kick off and a bunch of very powerful computers would turn overnight. And then you come in in the morning at eight or so or nine. And usually there'd be a build ready if everything worked correctly. And if it didn't, then the very first thing you do you know, over your first cup of coffee was always look, pour through build logs and try to figure out what you broke, which you know happened a lot. But uh, so this was a system where if if a build did not come out one day, your day was gone. <laughs> so you had nothing to do and you got to kick back and enjoy yourself. I mean, I mean, there were a lot there. There was always something to do. And we always had to, we were encouraged to make sure. But but if if my if my project for the week was make sure that you get this feature tested and the feature's not built, I'm like, well, I, I can't work on that project. And obviously. We were supposed to have something else, but you know, if you come in really, really hungover, like, yeah, I've got to put in some hours in Minesweeper for a bit. It only seems fair. And, and this yeah. is something we saw coming. This is some fairly breaking news. The Washington Redskins are no more. Oh, shit. The news is broken again. Yes. Wait, the news is wait, broken. They, did they? Did they? Let me guess. Let me guess. I want to guess. They took the offensive word out of the name of the Washington Redskins. And after they remove the offensive word, they're known as just the Redskins. No, I think they're getting rid of the Redskins, not the Washington. Although I would agree with you, the more offensive word, if you relate it to the state and what's going on, there would be Washington yeah, or, or the city. That is an interesting thing when you have or, to start or don't reading. they know don't don't they know that that all you know place everywhere should remove the word Washington from their name because George Washington owned slaves. I read that in the Washington Post. <laughs> right. So they should. Uh, they should take a little bit of their own medicine. They don't have a new name or logo yet, but the Washington Redskins are no more. The logo. Oh, that that was going to happen is no more. Well, the intriguing part about this is it was already last week or two weeks ago that Amazon, the woke company they are, pulled all the Washington Redskins merchandise because that was already a little offensive. So, I mean, I guess if you want your Washington Redskins gear. Go online to someplace that's not Amazon right now and stock up on the stuff. So it'll be uh, a collector's item in the near future. And if this woke stuff ever stops and goes away, which it may or may not, depending if people wake up or not, it may uh, may come back into vogue. But the intriguing thing here in Chicago is that the Chicago Blackhawks have already made a statement that basically said, screw you, we're not changing the name they're making the case when when you have a really awesome name like black cox right the chicago black cox is uh that's something different than the black hawks but oh the black hawks of, of the nhl national hockey league i think have the best damn uniform in all of sports and the best damn logo and the point that they're making is they are respecting the heritage and Blackhawk was a guy. So rather than, I mean, the Cleveland Indians are under a lot of pressure to change their name. In this case, they're saying this is, you know, not a race. We're not talking about a, you know, tribe of Indians. They're talking about one single guy. And the people, what was his name Indian? His name was Blackhawk. So I I don't know who the Cleveland Indians, those are just, you know, Indians. But I mean, you could just change instead of they used to have Chief Wahoo, which was the old time cartoon 
Indian, you know, wearing the feather. Well, they could just change it to one of the other kind of Indians. And, you you know? know, San Francisco is going to have to change the name of the, the 49ers because there was slavery in 1849, which is what the, the team is named after. Yeah, true. And as Blue Douche points out, the Blackhawk helicopter is a thing. And uh, Blackhawk is a word that's used in other places. I mean, I guess maybe if the army has yeah. to change that first, get the I, army. I'm to- just I'm just saying if you don't have good diction, then then yes. saying the word Blackhawk over and over again is <laughs> I, it entertains the prurient part of me. And the logo would be totally different. Yes, it would. And, and you know, it, it might be very Chicago. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe. Uh, I tell you what, though, the the Redskins and the Indians and all of these teams, they have much, much bigger problems than just renaming their team, which admittedly renaming your team, it, it involves a hell of a lot of work to, yes. you know, you to reprint everything to, you know, re change all of your marketing. I mean, geez, the the marketing people in this are going to be got to be sitting here like getting really, really drunk going there. I, we have to do what? but. They have a much bigger problem than that. And that is, for example, in the case of the Redskins, who, uh, by the way, I'm going to continue calling them just like the the Oklahoma basketball team who uh, are they as far as I'm concerned, they're still the fucking Sonics. Fuck you guys stole the fucking team. But nobody gives a shit about sports anymore. 2020 has proved to the world that sports isn't that important. Yeah. And. You know, the, the NFL is coming out with with their new woke policies about the what the players are and aren't allowed to do. And, the you know, NASCAR coming out and, and effectively pissing on the culture of a huge, huge section of their fans. Um, they've got bigger problems than their team names. And that is uh, they're going to have to keep doing the digital fans in the stands because real fans are going to sit here and go, you know, I could spend $60 for a cheap seat ticket and then $25 for a hot dog, or I could just go do something productive, read a book, you know, and you it's know, funny, jerk off the, uh, the series Brockmire, which I t- mentioned uh, last episode with Carolyn Blaney of hog story fame. Well, we're about four episodes from the end. And as they get into spoilers here, as they get into the later season, he becomes the commissioner of baseball who has already gone so far down this woke rabbit hole that they have no fans, which I just think is genius. And uh, there was a call. So it's a documentary about MLB kind of it's where it's going. It's predicting it, I think fairly well. And early in the, in the series, when she's trying to get him to come back and be the announcer for a team in the middle of, you know, not even single a, I mean, this is, the worst baseball team and worst baseball league in the in the land and she's like you know what because the town had been taken over by meth and she's like but i'm selling you know a drug that's even more it is a documentary yeah i'm even more even a drug that's even more powerful than meth and he's like heroin and she's like no nostalgia and that stuck with me because eventually yeah i believe nostalgia will win out but right maybe. now it's yeah maybe i believe it maybe will. uh in in the troll room blue douche actually summarized my point much better than i was able to it said uh that sports what what they're doing these sports leagues they are they are fucking with traditions yes and if you know if if there is one thing that keeps sports alive it is tradition and every time that you go out and you say uh no confederate flags or 
you say, I'm sorry, you can't paint your face in your team colors because that's too close to blackface or, or whatever. Every time that you fuck with somebody's tradition, they stop. They have that moment of cognitive dissonance and the niggling little idea of, do I really need this enters into their mind? And if you are a sports franchise these days, you need to minimize the number of people who have that sudden doubt of, do I really need this or not? Yeah. Red face is the new black face. And you're right. The tradition is such a big part of sports. And I saw that quite clearly in 2005 when the Chicago White Sox finally won a World Series. And that would be, you know, 35 years into my existence, which is a long time, you know, not to win. But did I ever tell you the story when I completely abandoned the NBA? I was a huge basketball fan when I was really young. No, I've never heard this story. I know you had season tickets for the Seattle Mariners. And then, yes, well, that happened, too. And then I realized that they'd never win a game. So I kind of abandoned that <laughs> after but, Griffey uh, was jettisoned. I, I am. Hey, I am. I'm the, the stereotypical fair weather fan. I'm the by definition. You know, if if you're not winning, I don't want to be there. It is less fun when they're not winning. It, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm I have no loyalty to these people. For one thing, it's all a business. It, I, honestly, the, the loyalty goes out the window when your favorite players are being swapped back and forth multiple times per season just because of business decisions or whatever. And you're like, well, then who the fuck am I rooting for? Well, that's it. Is it the name? Is it the mascot? No, well, you, the person in the mascot's probably switching every game. Well, you, you familiar with the Seinfeld bit about that? Uh, what? What about uh, what? The, may, maybe not about rooting. He's like, when it all comes down to it, you're rooting for the clothes. <laughs> that's all you're yeah. rooting for is the <laughs> clothes. That's about right. I, I mean, it, it it's, that you can make the Theseus sh- the ship of Theseus argument about any sports team is is when they swap out the coaches and all the players and the bat boys and everybody else and it's a completely new set of people there is it the same team no and, and yeah I mean that's the ship of Theseus argument uh, which if you haven't heard go read a fucking book uh, but it, it, like why what who what are you rooting for here and it's I guess pride in your city well. I sure as fuck don't have any pride in the city of Seattle anymore. Screw those guys. Um, but my NBA experience ended a lot sooner. And that was, I was, this would be about 1989, 1990. I think um, I was a rabid Portland trailblazers fan uh, at the, you know, at the time I was living not in Portland, but in the part of Washington that is effectively Portland. It's just on the wrong side of the border. Uh, so all of our local stories or local news, everything was Portland, Oregon, 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 which is, I mean, that's fine. But the trailblazers were the local team because Portland never had an NFL team. Portland never had an MLB team, but they had pro basketball and the trailblazers won the Western division in 88 and then went to the finals and nationals. And got absolutely fucking crushed by Chicago Woo-hoo! with Michael Jordan. Yeah, he was hard to beat. Then in 89, the Trailblazers won the Western Division, went to the finals and got fucking stomped by the Bulls with Michael Jordan. Woo-hoo! Then in 90, the Trailblazers were having an amazing season. Halfway through the season, the players walked out en masse in the entire sport. They shut down the rest of the season. And we never, it was either 90 or 91, the the huge basketball walkout, which was 
uh, at the time I heard it characterized effectively, it was uh, an argument between a group of really tall millionaires and a group of shorter millionaires. <laughs> yeah. But the people who were screwed was the fan because we lost the last half of the season. And it was that moment when I looked at this and saw, you know, first of all, we, we also, over the course of that, we, uh, you know, the Blazers had lost some of their good players. I, I don't even remember the names of them anymore. I don't care. But somewhere in there, they, they started up the next season. And I looked at this and I went, no, I, I don't need to be fans of these people because they just violated my trust. And there that, are others, you know, because because of Michael Jordan, we couldn't win a national title so that, that was annoying too but yeah well there was that and you know at the time i was not and i'm still not a fan of the nba there was a time where i watched college basketball a bit but the bulls with their six championships i, I really it it annoyed me more than anything else because i was a baseball fan and i really didn't care if the bulls were winning because i was just i was a white Sox guy and i didn't want to yeah. be one of these bandwagon jumpers which is really easy to do when when michael jordan is leading your team oh, so yeah. it was it was interesting to me to watch that new documentary with jordan the dance or whatever it was called on espn or netflix but it was interesting to see that ride and everything that happened because at the time i mean the one guy i really liked was rodman because he seemed like he was um completely his own guy that he was going to do whatever the hell he wanted it didn't matter what else was going on around him. And he was, you know, flamboyant to a fault and was just was just messed up enough and enough of a train wreck to be really entertaining because every time he got on the court, he did the job, which is, I think, something that everybody with a little bit of rebelliousness in them looks at a guy like him and goes, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get exactly what he's doing because he's the best at what he does. But he doesn't check all of those other boxes. And this was at the time. I mean, the NBA was already becoming such a corporate thing then, even much worse now. But his antics off the court were still being allowed because, well, when he got on the court, it was making them money. And that was something that I could really appreciate. But the nostalgia now watching this back was amazing to you know to see the reaction of the city and i saw that which was my original point back in 2005 when the white Sox finally won after such a long drought was it wasn't the parade and the one to two million people that came out on the street to celebrate a team that was basically otherwise ignored because we you know had the cubs and other teams in chicago the white Sox were really the team that was the most ignored in the city. But the amazing thing was hearing the stories and seeing the photographs from all of the graveyards in the area where there were just, there were White Sox things on so many tombstones. And you heard so many of these stories that, you know, hey, my grandpa took me to my first game or my dad took me to my first game. And they, you know, they never got to see the White Sox win. And that is where nostalgia will win out if you have a connection with a sport that your family, the area that came before. But as with anything else, if enough time goes by, that chain is broken and it is irreparable. So there is they're on the clock. Well, it, 
Nostalgia is is an extremely powerful force, but it, it time is time is one thing. But if they keep messing with tradition, then even nostalgia won't be po- powerful enough. I mean, yes. Okay. You want? I here's here's my uh, an example of how nostalgia can be extremely powerful. Uh, I actually went and watched the Transformers movie from what five ten years ago. The one with Megan Fox, or that was the second one. I don't know. The, the I mean, you would know if Megan Fox was in the movie, wouldn't you? I, 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 I don't know. They're they, they're all Hollywood babes. They're <laughs> yes. they're all, I, you know. The I think she was I, in the second I, one. Maybe I've got my. I, maybe I'll bring up my complaint sometime about how uh, Hollywood, when when you know, whenever you have a Hollywood show, they always take people who are straight up model material and use uh, makeup and touching up to make them all look perfect, and the result is that like in a new a new show that features 20 something actors i have absolutely i i can't tell the characters apart because every single one of them is just a pointy chick and and if if you're lucky like there's okay well this was the blonde said this in that scene and the brunette is over here so those are clearly different people it, but they don't look like people they all look like you know perfect hair models and and therefore you know it, every single male has a a chiseled chin and uh you, don't? you know Yes, it's it's somewhere underneath there. <laughs> we have to chisel a little out. I get it. I get it. There's some work to get the chiseling out. But no, I I, I I've tried. Like if if you go watch a twenty something show, you know, every once in a while there'll be a show where you've got uh, a whole bunch of of supernaturally pretty actors and actresses, and then there's the one guy who was uh, an actor from the '90s and is now middle aged. He's the only person. Sometimes her, but that that person is the only one on the entire show who can act. It's the only one on the show you can tell the difference because there's actual facial features that are distinct. I it, you you want people to be able to follow your show then stop using people who every single one of them looks identical. I mean, you can hire Robert De Niro cheap right now cuz I hear he's broke. I, yeah, but not worth it. <laughs> I would agree with you there. I mean, this is a guy that has been so vehement with his hatred for Donald Trump, I just find it to be hilarious that. Yeah, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah. It's like, come on, learn how to manage your money. But the other problem with Hollywood, and I don't think it's really. There's a lot of them. Yeah, because I don't think it's really gotten any better either, though, is the shows I always had the issue with are when you have the, you know, 22 to 25 year old pointy chick playing a high school student, because then (laughs) you're like, Wait a minute. There's something that doesn't seem to jive here. And then we got Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. So there you but, go. Well, what you have to do is you have to imagine them as the 22 to 25 year old person, because that way it's not immoral to imagine trying to have sex with them. Right. Exactly. Whatever you're running through your head. And you're right. Blitzed. We are the new AM sports ball LARPs in today's world. Wow. Wow. We but, like to get on shit. <laughs> Wait, how did, when did that happen? What the hell? I don't know. I don't know if there was a time we have to look back into this. I, I know uh, our buddy Omaha mentioned earlier that he wanted reparations for listening to 76 episodes of Grumpy Old Benz, but that's not true. Episode 76 isn't even over yet. So you're lying, Omaha. You've only listened to 75 episodes, maybe. And a bonus. I want, I want reparations. <laughs> you want reparations? Uh, who, do, who do I have to get reparations from for having to sit here through 76 episodes? You would I mean, get not the, that I've been here the whole time. You would get well, it depends. You get less because we have to retroactively take the potty breaks out, but we get them from our experts. And today I'd like to thank Harry Hamster, 
who came in and said he's back in the troll room, which we see Harry Hamster in the troll room. Welcome back. It's a badge of courage to be booted from the troll room. There's no question about that. And I made you were probably sleeping yesterday, too, during the no agenda rock and roll pre-show when I better believe it. Yeah, I made a comment that our buddy, the Viscount of the troll room, gummy nerds, I'm like, oh, and gummy nerds wanted this. I'm like, he's the guy that's been, you know, booted out of the no agenda troll room more than anybody except maybe Sir John Fletcher and Fletcher, of course, being an honest guy, said immediately in the troll room. I've never been kicked from the troll room. So guess what I did? So you kicked him. Yes. <laughs> you needed what, it. What else? What, with, right. I, I, with, with an inflammatory statement like that. Yes. I mean, that. I mean, next next Fletcher will be walking down the street saying all lives matter. <laughs> you can't got to nip that shit in the bud. But the minute he was booted, there was a like a bunch of messages scrolling through. I mean, like one of them was blitz, something like he leaves the troll room a boy and will come back a man. And there was just all of this going on. It's like, of course. I mean, if you're going to say that, if you're going to say, hey, I've never been kicked from the troll room. I mean, it was fixed immediately. Okay. Well, I, I have to ask then, have you ever been kicked from the troll room? I'm guessing. Um, yes, I'm sure I have. Okay, good answer. Thank yes. you. <laughs> if, 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 at least by Doug for. I just wanted to see if you had learned Fletcher's lesson. <laughs> At least from doing more than three messages in a second. I know Doug has uh, taken me to task a few times for that. And Doug is just a jerk. But thank you, Harry Hamster, and also Michael Wingett and Brad Hall, who I both believe are on a subscription model, which is something we really, really, really appreciate. You can also get into the Patreon thing, patreon.com slash grumpyoldbenz, or go to grumpyoldbenz.com and click the little donate button. He goes via PayPal one time, or you can set up a monthly donation. We also have a QR code if you like to do the Bitcoin thing. I mean, CSB, he said he's going to do another Bitcoin donation, 0.0033 Bitcoin. Do it before Bitcoin gets to a million bucks, CSB. You want to get in on that. And there's also a P.O. Box address, as was used on the last show by Sergeant Fred. So, so many different ways you can show a little value back to Grumpy Old Ben's, the grumpiest podcast in the universe and we appreciate everybody for supporting the show subscribing and i noticed we're starting to get a few reviews and stuff like in the itunes podcast app and all that other stuff there are some reviews coming in and that helps because when people don't know what the show is even one review of somebody saying nice things i mean of course you could tell them we suck too but that's okay but any review helps people notice the show And any little bit you can do to promote Grumpy Old Ben's and help make your friends an expert, we appreciate it. So you're going to be on vacation. Now, do you know, are you going to be here on Friday? Have you, were you able to push the wife for a little bit of a later leaving time on Friday? I I was thinking that what I would probably do is just uh, take, take the rig on the road and see if we can get working cell towers the whole way and broadcast from the car, except that that's a really awful idea. So yeah. I will. I will probably be here. That would be a great concept. I mean, depending on how your cell service is in the well, area, uh, there's a mountain pass in between here and there. Cell services is not going to be guaranteed. Really? See, so that would be bad. You would need. Can't you get like a really big antenna for the top of your car? Well, that's what the 5G is for. Yeah. Well, then it goes right into your brain. And that'll work that way. So Friday, we're hoping there will be a show live at the regular time. I mean, unless you want to start a little early, because I mean, I know 
nothing would make you happier than getting up even earlier on a Friday. Let's 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 see how drunk I am Thursday night. You definitely want to be on the Grumpy Old Ben's mailing list. You can go to grumpyoldbens.com, sign up for the mailing list, and you will get notifications when new shows, special things are happening, including our brand new mask. Woo! That way you can uh, you can be compliant with your local laws and show oh, Grumpy Old Ben's off. I didn't, even tell, I didn't even tell my story. I actually ventured out of the house. Really? Why? Uh, on, on Saturday. Well, we had to go to the grocery store on Saturday. Uh, it was a... What, it was a... a warehouse style building it was it was a safe way but it there was they weren't the original so it was you know 15 20 foot high ceilings in a pretty big store uh we went in and i was well okay first of all at the door they had a bunch of placards and signs that said you know by washington state proclamation all masks are required everywhere in the store i was literally the only person in the entire store without a slave covering on my face um, even, even Dame Bemrose had one, although hers actually, I think hers might've been better than mine because of course I got dirty looks for not wearing one, but she got dirty looks because she was wearing one that was, uh, black with white block text on it. The text said, this mask is as useless as our governor. <laughs> Jay Inslee. Come on. Yeah. And, uh, I guarantee there were a number of Karens who were giving her the stink eye over that one. Uh, but when I walked in, um, I had a little assistant manager, dude. I mean, like, you know, five foot, nothing little you dweeby looking guy, but I, I wouldn't hold that against him, but he had a placard on his thing that said assistant manager gave his name and he walks up and he's like, uh, hello, sir. Um, do, wait, he called you, you sir. Yeah, 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 he did. He probably was a no agenda listener, knew who I was. I don't know. <laughs> More uh, like C-U-R. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but he's like, do you have a mask? I said, no. He said, uh, well, w- do you need one? No. Well, um, I, if, if you'd like to follow me up front, I can, uh, we, we have some masks that you can, you know, you, you can buy, or, or we might be able to just loan one. I'm like, oh, you know, first I didn't say it, but I'm like loan a mask. What the, that, that's not how these things work. But, uh, but, but he wanted me to purchase a mask. He wanted me to carry. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's like, well, I'd, uh, you know, I, I have to make sure that, you know, cause I, I, we're, we're supposed to, he kept saying, we're supposed to be wearing masks. Like, no, no, not, not the only reason that you want me to wear a mask is because of, uh, an unconstitutional proclamation by a tyrant in Olympia. I actually used those words. He didn't seem impressed, but <laughs> I, I've, you know, it, and, you know, Dame Bemrose is standing next to me, uh, behind her mask, just fucking cracking up. The, the beautiful thing about wearing a mask is that, you can't tell when somebody's laughing at your face. Uh, but she's she's dying here because I'm just being a total belligerent dick, which is, of course, what I do. But he finally says, well, you know, he's like, uh, so you're you're not going to wear a mask. And because I've got, you know, I have to do I, I've got some stuff I need to do then and make sure that, it, that we're covered there. And then he walks away. And you know, the first thing that I do is I hand my wallet to my wife and I'm like, yeah, if if he's calling the cops, I don't really want to have ID on me right now. Like the cops locally don't know you already. Well, they, they might. Uh, yeah, well, the funny thing is uh, our, our county sheriff, uh, Adam Fortney, is, has already said that he will not enforce a mask order uh, because it's unconstitutional. And for that, uh, he's facing a recall election because left coast. Right. Uh, but anyway, so we go around and, uh, you know, she goes and, and waits in line at the pharmacy. That was the, the real reason we had to be there because it's hard to get drugs delivered. Uh, really and i'm they do that I, here I, 
I, I don't know. Maybe they, Maybe it was heroin. I'm not sure. <laughs> We're selling a more powerful drug than meth. You mean heroin? Yeah, I'm- no, nostalgia. <laughs> Something like that. So anyways, I'm like in the milk aisle and the same little dude comes up to me. And now he's got this burly guy with an apron on and another like another worker there who probably one of the guys who who lifts forklifts in the back room or something like big guy and the dude comes up and he's got a clipboard in his hand and this big fucker right behind him and says okay i just need to cover all my bases here just to make sure that we're okay uh and he says so do you have a medical reason why you can't wear a mask in the store you said yes right Uh, and i looked at him and I thought about it a moment and I'm like, he doesn't like this any more than I do. He's trying to give me an out so that we can all be satisfied. So I just looked at him and said, yes. And I'm about to explain that. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. And he makes a mark on his clipboard, turns around, says, thank you. And walks away. Thank you. Have a nice day. And he, so he's, he, he, he didn't want to get in an argument he didn't want to enforce this but his corporate overlords have said you will follow the proclamation in the store and he's being a good employee and i can't hold that against him the guy i mean he did everything that he needs to do in order to make sure his job is safe and the company does what it wants but he knew that he could be completely covered as long as he put a checkbox on the form on his clipboard that said I said that I had a medical reason for not wearing a mask. And then aside from getting the stink eye from every Karen in the fucking store, I walked around for the next 25 minutes while we filled up our shopping cart, not wearing a mask. Everybody is just like, how can you be done? You're whispering. I fine, whatever. I don't care. And then we went out and left it. I, okay. Dave Bembrose never stopped laughing the whole time. Well, see, at least that amused her which is what you're there for but i yeah. i am seeing more and more hate because I, I don't remember what the source was i just remember reading or hearing something the other day which was if you're healthy enough to be out of the house you're healthy enough to wear a mask and it's like that's yeah, not necessarily like stay true. that way yes it's like that's not necessarily true that the, the there's not that bar there and people don't want to wear masks for a variety of reasons here in illinois i believe it is the law so I don't know if someplace like a grocery store even has the ability to well, okay this because Illinois has said it mandates, but it is a so question of whether the sheriffs will. Uh, I, I've got some some homework for for people out there. I'm pretty sure this exists. Um, r- remember the uh, you know the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual for various medical conditions. Uh, the DSM five was almost twice the length of the dsm-4 and and this this was a big topic on no agenda uh, a couple of years ago when it started coming out and they're using it now um and it added all kinds of new medical codes for new medical ailments right that was things like you know erectile dysfunction suddenly became a, a diagnosable medical ailment uh yeah there is somewhere in the dsm-5 there is a medical ailment that is effectively uh, being obstinate or being stubborn or uh, having a problem with authority. That's a medical when condition. Somebody asks, I, it has to be. It has to be. Everything is a medical condition. Being a person is a medical condition in the DSM-5. They have got codes for every possible personality quirk you can have. You know, transsexual is a medical condition. Everything. And I want 
to dig through the new DSM and find one that effectively is, I, I, I have a medical condition, which is that I have no respect for your laws and am not going to put up with this bullshit. If I can get a medical term for that, then when somebody asks and actually presses, what is the medical condition? I want to just be able to whip out like, you know, I, I have a, my medical condition is an oversized penis or, or you know, some, some me, a medical technical term like that. I suffer from Bemrose. We can make uh, you up a card that says that. And- if you can get that into the DSM six, then that'll be good enough. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Well, all it will take is somebody to be able to hack into their online version because nobody has the paper version anymore. And uh, yeah. as far as the well, person I'm- that said that if you're out, you're healthy enough to wear a mask. Fletcher of Hug Story Fletcher's thinks it was the Austin mayor. So that would make sense where we may oh. have heard it. And and we know that Fletcher likes fresh air, motherfucker. Yes. And I do, too. I just ordered a Bissell on Woot, which, of course, you know, Amazon, because they had a super good deal on it. And I just keep buying new air purifiers because ComEd here in Illinois will give you 50 bucks back every time you buy one. So it really makes them cheap <laughs> and buying the, you know, replacement. Do, do they cost more or less than $50? So some have been less. This one was 200 bucks, but like the if, filters, if you can, you know, like if you can bucks. buy, like you'll buy the, the cheap Chinese knockoffs that only cost $10 yeah. and they'll give you $50 back for each one there. That's the beauty of government. They will do that kind of a thing for you as long as it is certified, you know, power saving bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But, yeah. uh, the the Bissell one I kind of like because it's got sensors in it. It's for you know it's got a much bigger filter in it, and it seems to work. They have the, one of these little gauges inside, and you never know if these things work because I turn it, it on about- and it, it gives you like a three digit number and how much crap is in your air. And of course, <laughs> when I turned it on, it was like you know zero zero two to like zero zero five, which is like nothing. And I'm like, well, that. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, we you put it outside, and it's like yeah, the the amount of lead and brass in the air is way too high yeah we should be shooting more in chicago but i noticed because we the kitchen is there's an open you know an opening they're on different levels it's a split level but the kitchen you can see the area where this air purifier is so i noticed the other day after making breakfast which was bacon in the air fryer and some eggs in a pan and some toast when i went downstairs that number had gone from like zero zero two to a little over a hundred so it's like holy crap it actually does pick up even cooking, you know, in the kitchen, does, it'll, does does your filter now smell like bacon? That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it be that I would pay extra if the air purifier rather than making the uh, instead <laughs> of fresh air scent, I want bacon. That is even I want, better. I like bacon air, motherfucker. Yes. Bacon air is that's that's there's a there's a <laughs> one of those exit strategies. If we can get an air yes. purifier that takes the air in your room I, and, it's, and makes it smell like bacon. Bacon air even sounds like a, a oh, brand name. Yes, bacon. Okay, that's the, it. Would be very easy to do the marketing there. Much easier than maybe whatever. bacon air is now the show title. Bacon air. Bacon air. Yes, B, it's a one word. Bacon a i r with an e, right? A r yeah, a i r e. Of course, that way it seems much, much more, much more professional. And uh, yes. that's the marketing for that would be much easier than for the poor Washington Redskins folks. Who uh, <laughs> I'm curious, any guesses on what they're going to name it? I've seen people be like, well. You know, just call them the warriors, you know, so it would be the Washington no, warriors. They, they'll probably be something, something pathetic like senators. Oh, that would be. Well, see, they already have been I the mean, Washington speaking senators. Of, speaking of really, team. really offensive names. <laughs> That's yes. I, you want to talk about being triggered by a team name. Um, yeah, the Washington. What would they call 
the Redskins instead of the Redskins, the Washington. The, the I, I want it. I, I want it. Washington lobbyists. I mean, maybe they can call them the Kaepernicks. <laughs> it's just, maybe you never know. It depends who has the most money. Maybe this is another case. Just like you can have any arena name for the right amount of money. Maybe the team name. Maybe maybe this will be screw nostalgia. I mean, if we're changing team names already, why not change them every two to five years? Uh, that's what they do with stadiums anymore. Yeah. So why keep them the same? That's uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Maybe by the it has to be. They said within a week. So by our next. Well, you may be gone, but maybe by Friday they'll have a name. If not next week, we'll see who the Washington Redskins have become. And I'm guessing it may just be so lame. It'll be funny. I mean, because that's what I would do. But I, I don't own the team, but I might lean in and just be like the wimpiest non-football sounding name like maybe the unicorns i mean maybe this cleveland oh. unicorns thing has has a <laughs> you know it could be like the my little pony kind of thing yes. the the washington snowflakes yes oh man i'd buy snowflake gear all day long oh yeah I, you know we we might have an exit strategy here <laughs> with that said until next time i am darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of shy where we're not renaming any teams yet, but if we did, I'm sure they'd be woke as hell. And from America's new Left Coast Morning Sports Talk radio station, I'm Ryan Bimrose. In the morning!